Hi everybody, welcome back to our second uh, new old podcast. Uh, myself and Chris here again. We're going to try and give a little recap on Kilimanjaro. Uh, these podcasts are going to let out a little bit later than anticipated because we've had to fix a lot of bugs. So, how you doing Chris? What's happening? Alright, here we are. We made it. We're back. Just yeah. about. Just about. Uh, we had, for anyone not knowing what we did, if you haven't seen it all over our social media, we took a group of 18 people, um, one one or two experience, and then 16, 17, what was it, was it 18 of us or 17 of us? It was 19 in total. So, so yeah, we had two experience, and then everyone else was novices and amateurs, never done it before, climbing to the top of Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Uh, overall, resounding success. How do you yeah, feel it went? Absolutely incredible experience. Um, I'm absolutely delighted for everyone to have taken part and experienced and experienced what the mountain has and put their physical capabilities to the test. It was uh, it was incredible, and I think the group bonded so well as we anticipated and as as you would do uh, as you would expect on a trip like that but yeah absolutely overall 10 out of 10 experience yeah we we decided last early last year was it early last year no late last year and maybe november december time the seeds were planted uh to take a corporate event to kilimanjaro with gulf for good the local charity here um and then having just walked around the gym for a week or two just putting some feelers out to see who would be keen pretty quick we had a group of 25 definitely maybes um and then by the end of january this year we had i think 21 people paid up with deposits most coming from dubai we had a couple of people coming from ireland we had a couple of people from uk morocco there was even a potential for a guy from poland to join us um well we did a year of fundraising for a local school a year of training uh put some scary goals in the diary for people and then we finally got there last month this month I don't even know what date it is. <laughs> Early this month, Keith. Earlier this <laughs> month, yeah, October, whatever, start of the, start of the month. Um, so, yeah, it was quite the experience. How do you feel you went with your performance? Personally? Do, you wanna, <laughs> do, do we want to talk about that? Well, well let's um, hear from the horses now, because no, I've been slating you all I, over the place. Uh, summiting to satisfy my ego was probably never really why I was there. Um, I was always there to enjoy the process experience it i think facilitating a challenge for people um that tends to be our driver and our philosophy as a company um so me personally getting to the top doesn't really matter to me it was never a never if it happened great if it if it didn't happen i was kind of anticipating getting sick to be honest with you anyway um but yeah it's uh it was just great to be there see everyone overcome their obstacles uh absolutely you see heroic performances from people like ahmed sharafi uh nesma like uh who has linda and helen were like absolute star performers Kerry, um, Kerry played a stormer as well, so well uh, yeah Kerry played like everyone obviously played an absolute stormer with some people who just completely took it in their stride that last night and I was like wow that was incredible other people just completely came out of their cocoon and and smashed it and, and others uh, I think it was five of us that just got absolutely 
served our own asses uh, by the mountain. But again, just uh, just there for the experience. So uh, that was that was all good. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't quite know, uh, Chris is not as accustomed to altitude as many of us. So <laughs> I think he got about five thousand one hundred meters up towards five thousand six hundred. Was the was our first peak. He in the pitch black. He just hands me these two black flags, one PTC, one TTR flag. And then I just watched him being cradled back <laughs> down the mountain in his green green puffer jacket, woolly hat, bushy beard. And then this African guy just escorting him down the hill. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Like I, was, I think I've been hauling ass for about three hours at that stage. Uh, was a couple of dropouts before um i think waking up for that midnight breakfast was i think there was a few s- warning signals on a couple of faces uh headaches dehydration dizziness um and then obviously just tried to try to just push on through but when you when you're four hours in been already falling asleep <laughs> on your yeah. poles uh vomiting dizzy uh complete lack of energy um, I mean, the process was so enjoyable. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. But does does what's the what's that Robert Greene thing? A, a Pyrrhic victory, was it? Oh Where yeah. Where it's like, okay, we're halfway. How much trauma is this going to cause <laughs> to get there? Um, if I've already been hauling ass for three hours, what's the point in, in pursuing this? If it's actually going to be detrimental to your physical health? Um, yeah, there is so that. So I think that was yeah. the thing where you're, if you're, you're looking for a victory at all costs, and you gain the victory, but actually sometimes those costs far outweigh the benefit of the victory. Absolutely, and I think uh, Glenn, our, our lovely friend Glenn from Dublin, he had a strong word at me about halfway. He was like get your fucking hole off this mountain right now. <laughs> Glenn who showed up. In so many words. Glenn who climbed the mountain with sunglasses with one shaded lens, <laughs> one hole in the other eye, no poles. No um, gaiters. No gaiters on his ankles. But, well, yeah. Again, took it in his stride. So, yeah. So, for the, just, uh, if anyone wants to know, like, just the general overview of, of the whole week, you, we, uh, Woke up in the hotel the first morning, got a bus to the gate of the National Park, spent five days hiking from 2,600 to, I think, 4,700, maybe four day, four nights, five nights, I can't remember. And each day is between four to eight hours of hiking. So you, so you wake up in the morning, have your breakfast, the porters then pack you all your stuff up, like pack your tent up and whatever. You head off after breakfast, and then they come over beside you, and they just overtake you on the trail and head off to the next camp and set up. We had 19 people. We had 72 porters with us. So that was all of our tents, all of our food, our guides, all of our guides, tents, all of our guides, food. Um, And then on the last, the second last day, you walk into, we walked into Kibo camp, which is at 4,700 sometime in the afternoon. Bit of dinner, straight to bed, woke up at 11 p.m. Lucky for us, we woke up and it was calm. It was it was peaceful, like it was cold, but it was no wind, there was no rain, which I was absolutely delighted about. And we met in the in the little mess tent, the little kitchen tent. Chris was huddled over a cup of soup and a couple of 
Panadols. And I've been I've been a bit rough a couple of days before, so I remember just saying to us like, mate, look, it gets better. Just 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 truck through, because whatever was wrong with me, it went away when I started walking. And then uh, I think we were a few minutes late, but quarter past twelve, we hit the road, and we were in single file, headlamps on. Three layers on your legs, three, four layers on your legs, th- three, four pairs of socks, big fat summit boots, underlay t-shirts, f- three, four, five layers on your top, two pairs of gloves, a hat, a beanie, a, a headlamp, scarf, buff, literally the whole lot. And all your light does is it shines in front of the, the ankles of the person in front of you. And uh, you just go in single file. And to say you walk slowly is an understatement. But like Chris said, y- y- you go up for a solid six and a half hours before you even see the sunrise and it's mo- we had minus 10 to minus 15 degrees and then slowly kind of warm up there's no talking it was super silent a little whisper here and there to the person in front of you behind you we'd stop and rest every hour have a chat get some sugar try warm each other up uh and then slowly but surely people just started being turned around heading back down we were getting info i was in the top say third so we were kind of getting info passed up to us about who was, who wasn't with us anymore, but uh, that actually turned out to be wrong because we got two names that showed up on the summit. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the rest stops around five thousand. Was it was a five one or five thousand for for you? Yeah, it was about five one. I think Cherise was just before me, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, um, and then there was. I think Liz further down, my mom, Cathy, uh, shortly after that. And yeah, then Chris's mom. Who else was there? There was one. And then other. Ali made it. Oh, Ali, yeah. Ali made it much higher, but it was turning. Like to say it's 100 meters, it's 100 meters, but that's a solid hour and a half walking. Yeah. <laughs> that's not 100 meters just up the road. That's, a, that's, that's an easy extra hour and a half to get that 100 meters up. Um, so, yeah, you turned around in the dark. I do remember that because I wasn't aware of who was struggling down the back. Uh, and then the sun came up half six, and then you could see the summit, and the summit was it was just there for two hours. And I was like, oh my God, like it's so close. And there was another group of ahead of us, some French or Dutch or Portuguese group, some combination of all of those nationalities, because we saw their flags when we got up there. But they were ahead of us, and they I couldn't understand why they weren't getting to the summit. I was like, why aren't they there yet? Like, for an hour and a half, two hours, I was looking up, and you could just see the jackets and stuff in the the sunlight. I was like, why aren't they there? Where is this? It's just there. Why is it taking them so long? And then it just took us so long. Because the terrain is also very scree. It's very unstable on your feet. And as you get higher, it gets steeper and it gets softer. So you're just, for every step you take, you sink down an inch or two. How did the guys at the top fair with the with the scree and the physicality because from what i've heard you you were the only one that complained maybe on the way down that your legs were just exhausted bambified yeah. like you were falling over um on the way down uh whereas everyone else seemed to be complaint free in that aspect so i think what happened there? most people uh, mal was tired but mal to his credit Mal's 62, like, he's a trooper. He was exhausted as well when we got to the top. I don't know if I was just general fatigued or if it was exacerbated by the, by the altitude. I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell. I don't know. I didn't feel anything. I'd, so basically what Chris is saying is when I got to the top, I was absolutely exhausted. So we had the last, like, 15, 20 minutes. 
I don't know what they were, maybe 10, 15 meters of vertical. And when I got to the summit, which is the first summit, Gilman's Point, which is 5,600 and something, the, r the true peak is around this crater, which is another two hours walk. And you can see it across the horizon of called Uhuru Peak, and that's 5,800. But it's a two hour walk, and it's two hours back. Um, there was about 12 of us on the top at that stage, taking photos and high-fiving and hugging and all that. And I said to the right, I'm going to go for it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. And then the guide said to me, he's like, look, we don't have the guides to split the group. So if you go, you have to go all the way because there's some people going back down right now. So I didn't want the others to, I was so tired. My legs were so exhausted. And it was just general fatigue. I was like, I don't want any of the girls to have to carry me or have to like support me, even not just carry me like a stretcher, but even just have to steer me down. So I was like, look, forget it. I'll just go back down. Uh, so four of the girls with us went across. There was there was Helen, Linda, Raha, and Caroline. They went across the top to the to the main peak with Charlie, our main guide. And then seven or eight of us decided to go back down. And I was a little bit bummed for about six steps when I walked across the flat bit of the of this of the peak. But as soon as I went over the crest and started to go, to go down, I could just feel my legs were just jelly. And it's because all those squats you've been doing, mate. It's all those lunges, man. I don't like to squat. I just like to lunge. Um, so I don't know if it was altitude. I don't know if it was muscle fatigue. I think if I was to go again, I would make sure that I'm, I'm traveling up that hill with way less weight. So I was 95 kg going into that week because I weighed myself just before. And then I think I just had too much crap in my backpack. And my clothes are pretty chunky, pretty heavy, like, Columbia jacket, my ski pants, blah, 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 loads of weight. But when I was going down the hill, like I felt like I just finished a set of squats and that was five or 10 seconds after a set, after a whatever drop set, whereas for 45 minutes. Um, there was times when I was gonna go sit down on a rock and like the dexterity in my legs means I'd miss the comf the, I'd miss the target on the rock <laughs> and I'd just sit on the cusp of the rock and then just flip over backwards and just fall onto the ground, onto the screen. I'd just lie there going, fine. If anyone's ever been trail running with Keith, you, you, you might be able to relate on the downhills. He's, he's not too uh, graceful. He's a bit top heavy. I'm, I'm definitely top heavy. <laughs> and on my legs. However, you chew up the meters going uphill with those big old levers. The time it takes for my brain to communicate with my ankle is a little bit longer than most people so i not take it nice and easy on the way down but uh for this downhill man they were jelly they were gone quads were gone glutes weren't working at one point my leg was just in this massive twitch convulsion like it was uh so i just had to sit down on the rock and I, it, that didn't really change on the way down the hill it's a good three hours down because it's because it's so high we had loads of rest. Everybody was, was exhausted. The sun was up now. It was beating down on us. We were still in our heavy summer clothes. Like, you're trying to take stuff off, but also you're sweating underneath, so it's also cold. So you're trying to get the balance right. Um, and then the others, how did the others fare? I, th I think a couple of the people just, like one, like Rebecca had a twitchy ankle and a, and a hurty knee, but it didn't stop her. Um, Mal was tired. I think everyone else was fine. Glenn powered up at no poles powered all the way back down with no poles just gone he was literally a speck in the distance <laughs> he didn't even sleep he didn't hang the around bottom. he just went for it he so then yeah so went that, we had to go back down to the tent the camp that we just slept the, the morning before 
and then just essentially if you have time for a quick nap and some food go ahead but if not we had to go down another four hours to a different camp where we were going to camp and sleep that night that was like three six i think so that, that was a long was day for me that was i know we were told about this 16 hour day however you don't it think about it you don't think about it and then when it's there in front of you you're like oh shit how is, <laughs> how is this gonna happen like we were lucky like the guys who went down early we had about a two hour kip and we then went back uh just the the five of us um and then glenn joined us very shortly after but then people were just coming in in dribs and drabs you like kip at the ki- glenn joined you at, at the akibo or second, uh, okay no, at yeah the, yeah at the second so uh, that's a four hour walk by himself he just went with, with one of the porters wow. just him and one of the porters but um yeah like uh, people were just coming in in dribs and drabs. Like the last crew didn't come in till eight p.m. Yeah. that night. That isn't. That's like eighteen hours. Yeah, and they were coming back in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> like that terrain was vicious as well. Uh, that last probably two k. Um, yeah, coming down to that second base camp. It was like if anyone remembers the scene from uh, Lord of the Rings where Bilbo is running across these little stepping stones and in the movie there's like bodies in the water you know there's ghosts there's spirits I don't know if anyone remembers that but that's what it was reminding me of you basically walking you walk on this track that turns in it's a footpath that's actually like a track that turns into this rocky trail that then water starts to appear and then all of a sudden you're just walking down the river that's where the water goes and you're on the top of the river just going down stepping stones but for what happened at the summit was the four girls that went across to the top, as we turned around and went back down, there was another group of four coming still up towards the summit. And they got to Gilman's Point four and a half hours later. There was Sharafi, his sister Nesma, Muhammad, and uh, Kerry. Sharafi went to the summit, continued on, met the girls across the way. On the way back, he was a little bit wobbly, shaky-legged. Altitude started to get him, so they rushed him down the mountain. But by this stage... It's four hours later, like you were saying. We had taken off from the bottom tent about half two in the afternoon. Maybe maybe whatever, two. So by the time they got to the other summit, got back to Gilman's, they got all the way down, got to their tents, and then, like you said, walked the four hours. By the time they got to our second, our camp for the night, uh, it was, yeah, it was between half six and half eight that they showed up in different groups and there's no other way to get there except walk there's no glenn says to me at the t- <laughs> glenn goes to me at the camp because when i he was still at the camp actually when i had got down so he was about to set off so we just crossed paths and he goes uh, i know this might be a bit far fetched but is there any chance of a taxi <laughs> <laughs> i was like mate i really don't think so but if you get one let me know <laughs> <laughs> we're at 4,700 <laughs> meters literally on the side of the biggest mountain in Africa I don't think there's going to be a taxi coming to get us but they might have something so let me know <laughs> let's not give up hope <laughs> I don't want to crush your spirits <laughs> so he just took off walking by himself and then yeah me, me Laura and Destiny walked f- four hours got there at whatever time f- 4 or 5pm oh that was a long day the yeah. worst, must have been the worst day of your life yeah well I was I was vomiting that whole four hours. Brutal. Pounding headache. Yeah, it just didn't get any better the lower I went. Um, I, Cherise was struggling. I, I saw her trying to get a bit of vom out as well. Really? Yeah, like on that walk. Yeah. Uh, the others, um, Ali was <laughs> Ali said she was afraid to talk to me. I was, so <laughs> I was in such a foul humor. But um, I think 
Katty um, and Liz seemed to be okay once they kind of came back down. I don't think they spent too long uh, in that altitude yeah. sickness kind of uh, state. So they, uh, as soon as they came back down with more oxygen, they so that was so they you were in a group. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. You were in a group of everybody who. Yeah, had, had come down. Didn't make it. Yeah, Ali. I don't think Ali got any kip. She just uh, basically came down, and then we all left. So um, yeah, it was a look. It was it was an eventful day. It was probably a lot more of a miserable walk in our group than everyone else who was probably uh, on a bit of a high after coming down and summiting and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think once we got in, everyone everyone kind of had their dinner waiting for them. Everyone had a kip. Uh, we'd organised our, our lovely little bus from that new camp uh, down to the end. I think everyone's uh, everyone's mood was a little bit better then once we got back. Yeah, I think that four-hour walk from Kibo to Harambo was miserable for everybody, but for different. Not miserable, but like, so we got to the summit, but we didn't get to the true summit. You know, so we were all feeling sorry for ourselves, not knowing how bad you guys had had it, and not knowing that the guys coming behind us four hours later were going to have to do that in the dark. So then they got to the ultimate summit, had a great time, high fives. And then as they walked down that walk, it got dark and misty and, 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 and just cold. So they had a horrible time. That's just a horrible walk. I don't think there's any good way to do that. And then we we're supposed to get up at 4 a.m. the next day and do an 18-kilometer hike to the gate because then we had to be rushed to the medical center to get our PCR test to fly back three days later. And... Uh, nobody was interested in that <laughs> it was in true device style I, I it was <laughs> I like no we way a little bit soft over the years it would have been i think it would have been fine for the group if we didn't have to do 4 a.m but because of this pcr appointment at middle in the middle of the day in this local town we had to do it so early so chris managed to negotiate with so Harambo, that camp, they had a emergency evacuation vehicle which was like a, an extended land cruiser so we arranged for that to make two trips and take us. So the first group who had altitude issues the day before, they were you guys were taken first. I think that left about 12 of us hanging around. And then while we were waiting for two, three hours for that jeep to come back, two porters, in pro in two, two, two porters like two local guys who were suffering, appeared from the mountain. One had pulmonary edema, so he was breathing awfully, like fluid in his lungs. And he was a porter. He he'd done this load. So somebody told me, told me this is his twenty sixth time really doing it, and uh, this is it's the first time he's got sick. And it was also what I I didn't hear that. I was in the front of the truck, so I didn't hear any of the chats. I didn't even know really what was going on in the back because we had there was eighteen of us in that van in that jeep, which was three of us in the front then the second row had four of the girls on the bench and one of the girls lying across all of their legs so if there was, that's eight of us in the first half and then there was ten well there was nine in the back section and like two porters one thrown up in a bag another porter with a busted leg i don't know if he'd broken his leg or just sliced it open our guide charlie the guy so there's a dutch dude in the front with me his porter came along as well but his porter was swapping between sitting on the roof and hang on to the ladder at the back. <laughs> well, we went off-road. Like, this is off-road. It's quite a steep decline Driving, as well. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't even know about this. And then we had... Mohammed was sitting on the ground in the middle of the, of the Jeep. And then there was seven people in that back section. I don't know about you. Did anyone get the giggles on the way down? Um, on our trip, 
aside from uh, everyone shouting at the African man to get in the bus, <laughs> I think people were a little bit irate um, and trying to get back for the PCR on time. But as soon as we got down a little bit lower, like there was just endless giggles of a few people. <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that as well. No, some of the some of the guys were definitely more talkative than others. I was just sitting quietly in the front chatting to my new Dutch friend who had a problem with his feet, so he couldn't walk down. Um, and then what else was going on? The girls in the back were all squashed in. So it was good hour and forty minutes in this jeep, and then we got to. Oh, it brought us right to our hotel. In fact, they dropped a few, dropped the first people off where they needed to go with, with their sickness and stuff. Dropped us to the hotel. PCR, bed, shower, well, shower, bed, dinner, clean, finally relaxed. Um, and then the next morning we had that thank you ceremony where we met all the porters again. All the ladies started crying, bawling their eyes out. I, I wasn't expecting to see that. I may have had a little Did you? A single tear roll down my face, but <laughs> it was also very windy. Oh, yeah. Someone was chopping onions next door as well, I think. <laughs> there was, cause what, so what was the plan was that the porters would come along and we would, they'd sing us a song and we'd have this thank you ceremony and we'd, we'd, we'd split our tips between them. So we all threw some, some dollars into a giant pot, split it between the 72 porters and then it was a bit weird. The custom there is that we were effectively inviting them to our house so we had so i had to do this address this welcoming this presentation and then i had to do this thank you and then effectively at the end after we'd all sang songs and posed for photographs together the custom is you have to tell them to leave and he's like if you don't because this is and this is coming from the hotel management the guy anthony at the morango hotel great guy he uh he was like the custom is that if they, if you do not tell them to leave, they won't leave because it's rude to leave unless you've been asked to leave. So I basically had to go, all right, guys, if you can just go now, <laughs> we're going to go over here. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys have to go that way. See you. Bye. And then they're all split up and they all left. So that was the bit I was dreading the most. And then the school then the next day. Yeah. School was powerful. I think that was really nice to see the porters. Uh, all in their number ones, yeah, and uh, kind of see them in a bit of a different light when everyone's not so tired, uh, when they're a bit more kind of coherent as well. So that was that was really nice. Also, and then also we could see their faces, which was interesting. Yeah, because they had they all had like scarves and hats and buffs and stuff yeah. for the week, so it didn't really. That was what I found interesting was to see them with their actual their smiles and see their faces and see them in their button up shirt and trousers and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was it was brilliant, and then the songs obviously were, were were great, but then that school like that was nice. But then, my God, the school was just yeah. another uh, another level. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting what happened there. No, not at all. Uh, we showed up what two hours late after um, getting stuck on the road, oh getting yeah. lost multiple times. Like this road is a complete dirt path. Yeah, and then there was a bit of a river we had to navigate. Um, Almost had to push the bus across it. Yeah, but we got through it in the end. And then when the, when we showed up, obviously these Masai Mara dancers and crews surrounded us, just walking in. And then the noise, like yeah, seven hundred kids just screaming their heads off. It was yeah. like, oh my god, here we go again. So there was there was waterworks all around, I think. <laughs> and then uh, we got into the ceremony, which was quite interesting as well. 
Yeah, they had some some of the local tribesmen thank. So we didn't really know because they were obviously chanting and singing and speaking in different languages. But we were informed that after like a solid 10 minutes of these guys performing in front of us, dancing with their shields and their bows and arrows and their traditional headdress, um, what would you call it, traditional outfits, that they were just thanking us. And then they got their, their local council people, the local government people, the F Foundation for African Empowerment people. They all had a few moments on a mic thanking us and seeing those guys well up with, with appreciation that they had managed to finish these classrooms. Um, that was powerful for me. It's like, well, we didn't really predict how far our money would go and the effect that the money would have on this community and how like how important it was to them um i think that's really what stifled me i was like whoa it was a complete non-thought like it was a complete afterthought yeah it was like right we're preparing we know we have to raise this money we have no nothing tangible to relate this money to no we've never been to enduro yeah. primary school yeah. in the middle of a of a bush yeah um and as soon as we got there these these classrooms that were completely renovated next to these old dungeon rooms yeah. and it's just like oh shit and all of a sudden they open up these two plaques and yeah your your, your names on that plaque yeah, really. <laughs> like fuck and then the the ptc logo and yeah. the go for good logo and they said it's fundraised fundraiser uh, the, the the funds were raised by by the physical training yeah. company like that's all of our members that's everyone who sponsored us like I, I can't quite put into words how hard that hit <laughs> yeah it was it, it, it almost feels undeserved you know because the fundraising efforts through the last year were we did put a big effort in but we didn't put our heart and soul into it and when we think back to some of the events that we ran, like we ran a little circuit class here in the gym, great, 100 dirhams in, little little cake and bake sale. We did a little sports day on the grass in Dubai Hills. We did uh, question night, quiz night in someone's house. You know, little, little bits like that all through the year, one, one or two maybe every couple of months. And it, they weren't that, that well attended. You know, looking back, even people who were on the trip couldn't make some of these just because we, we just flippantly organized everything and whatever. But now, having seen where that money goes, like, well, we could have done way more. Like, we could have done way, way more. And now that I think we have the footage of the school, we have the experience of the school, if it comes around. We're, we're, we've talked already to people about taking another trip next year. I, I almost feel morally and ethically obliged because they've put our names on a plaque in that school for forever. So if anyone ever goes to that, in as long as that plaque stays there, <laughs> stays connected to that wall... I feel like a, a deep connection to that place um, from the company's perspective, from all of our members' perspective. So I think we can we can go again and we can almost do a much better job. I think so. Yeah, definitely. And I, like for anyone who was there, there was three other buildings that yeah. need renovation and there was another building over by where the goats were getting cooked uh, that has a foundation that they have plans there. Um, those sports, like courts like volleyball courts they all need yeah. work um yes yeah, so I, I don't w where the money goes if it's just running of the school or paying the salaries of the teachers like it's uh or maybe get a few uniforms for the for these kids you know it's uh whatever they do with it it's um 
it's important yeah it's, it's powerful going there and seeing like oh this is there's a real life person at the end of this you know and there's loads of them and there's a way of life and there's they're all trying to just do their best with the most basic of things that, that like education you know it's like on the board in the rooms they were just learning letters learning alphabets learning shapes and they don't have any pens or pencils which is something that we didn't know um, there's there's a lot of disabled kids in that school as well and the disabled kids are culturally I, I don't know I, I don't want to be unfair but they're not really helped in that culture the same way they're helped in most Western cultures but this school is changing that so there's loads of um, disabled kids there I, I don't really think we saw many of them but they're looking for things just like hearing aids and wheelchairs and, and a disabled bathroom was, was, on the, was on the cards that needed some money to be completed. So the simple things that we just, you just see every day growing up, education classes in, in Ireland, like it's nothing. They're not trying to do wild and wacky things, you know, so that money goes so far. So that was, uh, that was all very, very powerful. Um, we will be hopefully going back again next year. It's all pretty much confirmed uh, verbally. We just have to start start was it preparing for another year of fundraising and training and taking people there again. You get your second chance at the summit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be taking a longer route. I'll be taking Diamox yeah. or Dianamox, whatever it's called. Do you not and take any uh, of that now? I'll be taking some sleeping tablets as well. I think I, d I barely got a wink of sleep about five nights in a row. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the that's the plan. Interesting enough for anyone who's uh, thinking about going. A couple of people suggested to me to not take them, like experienced people. And I was like, I, that would be kind of my philosophy. I'd rather feel it for myself and uh, adjust accordingly. So get some painkillers in or uh start hydrating a lot sooner rather than actually actually masking the um the symptoms however i think four of the five people who didn't make it weren't taking the altitude pills so potentially that says something i'm not sure about however how many summited were taking it yeah. but if 80 percent of the people that didn't make it weren't on the weren't on the on the the little mountain biscuits then yeah who knows I think it was a split between, uh, I don't know what the percentage, 50-50, I have no idea. But some of the people who made it to the top were taking Dymox, some of the people weren't. I know, so know a couple of the girls who didn't make it started to take it at the start of the week and then forgot or slipped their mind and then they just didn't bother. But I think a big difference will be, like you said first, take a different route and spend a di another day at the altitude and just, just hang out at a camp. Because we did a take a pretty quick approach to the mountain. Uh, with the wrong guy route that we took, um, and then the final approach was was not quick, but uh, we didn't really give ourselves too much time to acclimatize. I think if what I would do differently again is this similar to what you mentioned, I'd bulletproof my sleep, so I'd make sure that I've got a soft mattress underneath me, because uh, my my dead weight sleeping body just curls up, and you just get these bumps and you know the ground is not particularly smooth so you've got a little mat you've got your you've got your sleeping bag but like w with being on the side of a mountain not all the tents were on flat surfaces so my tents were m more often than not on a slight slant which when i'm asleep 
you just start sliding. You just start sliding down your because obviously your sleep mag is this shiny, slippery material. And you're on the mat, boom, dead weight. You just scooch down a bit, and then you're on a rock, and then your head comes off the pillow, and then you wake up. And then another one of the nights, the wind was howling outside. So if I had, I had earplugs. I actually felt warm all of the nights. I wrapped up super warm each night. That didn't. That wasn't an issue. Bulletproof my sleep, and then climbed the mountain much lighter. Just shed some weight. Yeah, that, that was interesting you said on summit night. you got to remember... Every liter of water is a kilo, so yeah. we're told to bring three liters in our little camel pack, yeah. and then another two liters. Yeah. I am inside your bag, upside down, and then maybe an alternative yeah. source. So you're looking at like five or six kilos of, of water alone, yeah. plus your plus your your extra uh, water protective yeah. gear, uh, your bag itself. So you may be looking at I don't know what ten. Kilos, give yeah, or take, easily, which easily. is which and your is snacks over eight hours. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then when you uh, as you as the sun comes up and you start taking your outer layers off, they have to go in your backpack. Yeah. So then you're still carrying obviously the weight, the weight of your jacket is now, and it's not just on you; it's in your bag. So now it's just on your shoulders. So I would definitely look into, and I'm just a heavy lump as well. You know, just going up that mountain, being ni- 95 kg was a lot for me. Um, so definitely travel a little bit lighter and spend an extra day acclimatizing that will be one of the things we, t- we for sure will do and uh sleep yep. absolutely protect the sleep so we'll see next year yeah we'll, we'll i've spoken to gulf for good already uh we're not too sure on the dates but sometime in october we'll uh we'll take a crew we'll see what happens yeah i think october is a good time keeps people engaged throughout the summer uh weather was very good yeah like we were really lucky um whether that route lends itself to that same type of weather i don't know if we go up the other side of the crater apparently the wind would nearly blow you away really um and it's a bit more rainy uh, or subject to rain so who knows but anyway you can't predict these things but i think as well the guys told us that it was rainy season this month and, and next month and we didn't have a we never hint around didn't even have a hint of clouds but we'll see october is october october the only thing with that is the summer limits people in what their ability to train outdoors is but honestly get out of bed is all i have to say <laughs> get out of bed if you want to do it get out of bed because i went running in the summer every weekend and it was fine you just have to get up out of bed um and get there where it's cool um but we'll do some trips and stuff away like to george and stuff like we did last year um, but it gives us plenty of time to fundraise as well, which is going to be a bigger thing for me this year. It's g- I'm going to be much more pushy on the fundraising just because we did so well last year with a couple of corporate... I suppose it's worth giving a shout to King's College uh, Hospital. Um, they really helped us out with a corporate sponsorship, which went a very long way. So we will push that side of things a lot this year, uh, this coming year as well as well as all our little fundraising events and, and so on. So, anything anything you want to add to that? No. Um, fantastic experience all around. Not so much once in a lifetime. I think it will be a couple of times now once we've done it once. Yeah. However, um, I actively encourage people to do something and to sign up to something like this and 
slightly scare the shit out of yourself, but it gives you purpose. It gives you uh, a bit more meaning and um, it gives your fitness journey a bit more meaning. And it's a hell of a week away. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. I loved every second of it. Um, we just need to uh, manage people's expectations when they come back and and understand there's going to be a lull. Yeah. Uh, a lull in motivation, but uh, just get back on the horse and um, sign up to something else yeah. afterwards. And just don't underestimate the difficulty of that summit night. Just be prepared to argue with yourself for six hours, seven hours, eight hours and... You go to that dark place, it's cold. Lucky for us it wasn't windy. But uh it's definitely a test of mental mental capacity and mental fortitude. Um yeah, I think you said it all. Amazing experience. Would we'll probably do it again. More th- more times than one. Uh should we leave it at that? Yeah, job done. Cool. Alright guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll be back soon. Bye. <laughs>